Joshua chapter 14 then, please. We're going to begin reading at verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereupon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as as he said, these forty and five years even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, so even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain Whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest that in the day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If, if, be, if so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephthah Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because he hath wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. The name of Hebron before Kirjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Let us pray. Father, In an evening, Lord, where there has been upset and even, Lord, with power shortage and with different complications, we now ask you, Lord, that you would settle this congregation in our minds and in our hearts. Pray, O God, that your word would have free course in the midst of us. We pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that thy spirit would move from seat to seat and from heart to heart. And Lord, that you would shut and enclose each and every one of us in with thyself. Give us ears to hear and help us to understand thy word tonight. Help this man of frail clay lips. Help me, Lord, to preach thy word and to break the bread of life. Tonight, Lord, we worship you and we love you. And we tell you there's none like you. May Christ alone be glorified. For it's in his name we ask it and for his glory alone. Amen.
And our reading speaks of Caleb. Caleb was a man who had valor. Caleb and Joshua seem to go together in Scripture because uh, we will look later on how the Lord sent, or Joshua for the Lord sent out, the, pardon me, Moses, the man of God, sent out Joshua and Caleb to spy out the land with ten other of the tribe leaders of Israel. And they come back with a bad report. Bar Joshua and Caleb. Joshua was Moses' minister. In other words, he was his aide. And he became his successor. So now Caleb has come to Joshua to ask him for his inheritance which was promised, listen, 45 years previously. 45 years previously by Moses through the word of the Lord. Let us take note before we go any further that God's delays are not God's denials, brother, sister. There are times in our lives and in our walk with the Lord that we think that God is not hearing nor will he answer prayer. But God's delays are not God's denials. Here this man Caleb is told by the word of the Lord that he would inherit this parcel of ground, this high mountain. And 45 years later, he comes to ask for it. God sometimes seemingly seems to take his time. And we are impatient for God to move and we are impatient for God to act. But brothers and sisters, let us remember that not only are God's delays not God's denials, but God is never too early and God is never too late, but rather God is always on time. Let us not try to force the hand of God when we see things in our lives. Let us not try to force the hand of God, nor to get ourselves pent up with frustration when he seemingly is not answering the prayer. But let us not try, as it were, to force the hand of God like Abraham would do by laying with Hagar. And of course, Ishmael was born. And there we find that throughout the years, right to our very day, we have the sons of Ishmael and the Arab nations, and now are against the sons of Jacob and those of the faith of Abraham. Notice here, brothers and sisters, God is always on time. Don't run ahead of him. Don't run ahead of him, but rather follow him. In his calling. Notice here. Caleb comes to Joshua. In verse 6 it says. Thou knowest. The thing that the Lord said unto Moses. The man of God concerning me. So Caleb says to Joshua. You know. What God said to Moses. To tell me. You were there Joshua. And so he says. And that happened. In Kadesh. Bernal. He even knows the place where God had spoken. When God speaks, there's no 
vagueness about it. People say God has spoken to them and there's a vagueness about it. When God speaks his word to a heart, to a man and to a woman, there is no vagueness about it. Some people say, what if I miss God's calling? If God is calling you, you will hear his voice and you will not miss it. You will not miss it. And here this man comes to Joshua and his words are this, thou knowest the thing. Joshua, you know the thing. And Joshua automatically would remember Kardesh Barnea, what God had said through Moses to Caleb. And God has never left himself without a witness. So remember that. When you're seeking God, God will never leave himself without a witness. Not only in your circumstance to bring someone along who will speak the word that God has already witnessed to your heart. He will only confirm, she will only confirm what God has already given to you in your spirit. Notice here, Caleb claims his inheritance. Tonight's subject is claiming your inheritance. Claiming your inheritance. Thou knowest the thing, Caleb said to Joshua. You see, friends, brothers and sisters, the word of God can be tried, pardon me, the word of man can be tried and found to fail. The word of man can be tried and found to fail. If I had a pound coin for every time someone gave me a promise and broke it, I could do well. I could maybe afford a Lamborghini or something tonight. The word of man will be tried and the word of man may fail you. But the word of God will never fail you. He will never fail you. The word of man can be of little meaning sometimes. Means very, very little. The word of man can be spoken then instantly broken. And it goes with the feelings of man. When you and I are in good form, we promise the world. When things are going well for us, all is great and we can do anything for you. But in those times when you're in distress or in those times when things are not going so good, man will fail you. And listen, you'll also fail yourself. You will also fail yourself. It's like the old hymn writer wrote, the arm of flesh will fail you. Ye dare not trust your own. In Psalm 119 and in verse 160, it says, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Notice, Thy word is true from the beginning. The word that was with God and is God is true. And the word that was with God and is God became flesh. He is our Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the way, the 
truth and the life. The absolute truth of the Father is in the person of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the psalmist writes, the word, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. In other words, what God says, he means, and he means what he says, and his word is forever settled in heaven, and all of his word and judgments will stand even when society thinks it's antiquated and should change. Our society thinks that our that we are mad to believe an antiquated word and that we somehow should look, somehow should look for uh, loopholes in the word of God that we may live certain ways in this life, that we may do certain things that we should do in order, in order to say that we will not be offensive in the word of God, that we will not challenge a lifestyle, we will not challenge a heart or a mindset that the world has programmed into people. But the word of God will never change. It doesn't change in this year nor next. And the word of God will not change for the man and the woman who come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God will not change for when the Lord says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved then the, what the, Lord, the Lord means what he says, and he says what he means. And if you come to saving faith in Christ tonight, if you repent of your sins and trust solely, only, uniquely, fully, and totally, unreservedly, on the sacrifice and the finished work of Christ and the precious shed blood that he shed at Calvary, then thou shalt be saved. And you will be kept. You'll be kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Oh, I think of the times that I have failed him in my Christian walk every day. Every day. Yet I'm kept by his power through faith in Christ and his cross work. Believing that he shed his blood for me. That he died for me. That he paid my debt in its fullness and in its entirety. And that I will never stand in judgment before my heavenly father. Never will I answer for one sin that I have committed. Because Christ has washed me in the blood and has made me clean. I believe him. I believe him. I just don't believe in God. I believe God. I believe everything he tells me. I believe everything he says to me. And I believe his word will never change concerning me. Brothers and sisters, what sort of a salvation would we have if we believed that we could be saved one day and lost the next? Saved in a meeting and lost in a car park. Saved in the service and lost in the drive home. Because you're human and you feel him. In thought. In thought. In deed. Or lack of deed. In faithlessness 
and unfaithfulness. You could be saved in the meeting according to some and lost by the time you go out to that car park. Brothers and sisters, the word of God says, when he saves me, he keeps me. When he saves you, he keeps you. Thank God for his grace. Would you say amen tonight? Thank God for his matchless grace, his saving grace, his sovereign grace. Thank God for his grace. Here, the word tells us, Thy word is true from the beginning. Caleb is coming to say, do you remember Joshua? Thou knowest the thing. Do you remember Kadesh Barnea? Do you remember when God spoke through Moses, his servant, concerning me? How could you ever forget it? I remember the day God spoke at my Kadesh Barnea concerning me. I remember the day he spoke concerning me to tell me that I was a great sinner. Deep dyed in sinful wool was I. But the blood of Jesus Christ could cleanse me from all of my sin and make me clean. I remember the Kadesh Barnell. I remember the servant of the Lord preaching the word. I remember hearing with the year of faith, given by the Spirit of God. And I remember born again. And there's really been a change in me. Do you remember? Do you remember the day and the hour? And Christ saved you and came into your life. Christ truly, I mean, truly saves a man, truly saves a woman. I'm not talking about this, this old, ah, well, well, give it a try, but this Christianity thing, maybe it sounds good. You're not saved then. But when a man and a woman are truly, earnestly, honestly born again of the Spirit of God, And when they're washed in the blood of the Lamb. And when Calvary has been preached. And the cross is before them. And the Christ is there. Then a man and a woman can never be the same again. They can never be the same again. Oh, you'll fail them. And you'll fall. But you'll never be the same again. Because when Christ comes in, the devil goes out. Did you hear me, brothers and sisters? When Christ comes in, the devil goes out. Away with us Christians who are possessed with the devil. Away with that. Holy Ghost doesn't live in a duplex. He doesn't live downstairs when the Holy Ghost lives downstairs and the devil lives upstairs or vice versa. When Christ comes in, the devil goes out. Or there's no power in the blood of the Lamb. But there's power. Power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. I believe tonight, as the, bro- the brethren had sang, Jesus saves, and his blood washes whiter than snow. I believe that the blood of Christ tonight 
cleanses me from all unrighteousness. I believe in justifying blood. As it was mentioned around the Lord's table this morning. I believe in the blood of Christ. And I'll always rest in redeeming love. Through the blood of our Lord Jesus. Are you saved tonight? Are you blood washed tonight? Are you blood bought tonight? Are you Christ tonight? Here Caleb comes. And he says, I know the thing, Joshua. Remember Kadesh Barnell. When the word of the Lord came. Now some 45 years later. God's word and his promise was as fresh as ever. I want to say it again to you. 45 years later. God's word. And God's promise to Caleb was as fresh as ever. 45 years to a man or a woman is a long time, especially if you've been 40 when you got the promise. You're now, Lord Ben I, an old doll. And for our American friends that don't understand our accent, that's an old man and an old woman. 45 years has passed and Caleb has held on. Held a promise that seemingly wasn't coming to pass. Caleb held on to the word of God that was spoken to him through Moses before Joshua at Kadesh Barnell. Caleb holding on tight to it. 45 years. See, they went into the wilderness and walked around for 40 years again because Israel weren't ready to enter into their inheritance. Speaking to a man here, maybe a woman, and your inheritance is in Christ, you see. Maybe you're so far yet, you're like Israel of old. You stop and there is the promised land, the salvation by grace through faith in Christ. And there it is in the spiritual context. And and God wants to bring you into the promised land, the land that is flowing full of milk and honey. With a great promise, with a great word to you. And you're like the other Israelites, you'll go and you'll walk away for maybe another 40 years against you, Jesus, Tari. So five years into entering the land, here is Caleb. And he says, thou knowest the thing, Joshua, that the Lord promised me. The word of the Lord came through Moses. Servant of God to me, to me, he claimed his inheritance. He claimed his inheritance. I find there are many Christians that don't know how to claim their inheritance. Do you know that? They struggle in faith. They struggle in their walk with Christ. They try hard, but they... They wane because we're all human, but they struggle so hard. you know why? They don't know how to claim their inheritance in Christ. Claim your inheritance tonight, brother. Claim your inheritance tonight, sister. 
and be found faithful in Christ. No matter how long it's been from you've heard his voice, claim it tonight for yourself. Notice here, 45 years later, and God's word and his promise was as fresh as ever. He had never broken his word. And he had never forgotten his word. And he had never withdrawn his word. For he had declared his word. He had decreed his word. He had said it. And so God would stand by it. 45 years is a long time. But do you not know when you're looking for something. You're praying for something. There's seemingly no answer. Do you not realize that a, a day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day? Forty-five years. Well, you do the maths. According to, not that there's a clock in eternity, but according to uh, that line of prophecy, do you know what it would be? That time scale. Minutes. And yet we say, Lord, I haven't heard your voice. I've been seeking, I've been seeking your face about something for a week, a year. Do you ever wonder why God isn't in a hurry? Because there's no time in eternity. And he knows what's best for you. Notice here also what Charles Haddon Spurgeon says. He says, God hath spoken once. So immutable is God that he need not speak twice as though he changed. So infallible that one utterance sufficeth for he cannot err. So omnipotent that his solitary word achieves all his designs. We speak often and and say often, but God speaks once and utters eternal verities. All our speaking may yet end in sound, but he speaks and it is done. He commands and it stands fast. Brothers and sisters, you and I, If we hear the voice of God once, once into our situation, once into our lives, once into our circumstance, or someone unsaved hears the call of God the once, it never changes. And it always remains the same. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul tells us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Do you ever wonder what he means? Dwell in you richly. It means the word of Christ, the word of God, is to read it, to ponder it, to meditate upon it, to think about it, and to walk in it every day of your life. Richly in the heart. 
And if you do that, you'll find that God never changes his mind concerning you, nor calling you. Now Caleb comes to Joshua, not with a demanding spirit, but with the word of the Lord. Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses concerning me. Joshua need not be forced nor coaxed into it because it was the word of the Lord that brought it up before Joshua. It doesn't matter how many theological arguments you get into. Some people like to argue a black cat would be white. How many furries could dance in the end of a needle pin? But it's when the word of God is presented... The infallible word. The settled word. The unchangeable word and the unchanging word of the living God. Thou knowest the thing. Thou knowest the thing. You remember Joshua. You were there, Joshua. Maybe God has spoken to someone here before, not only with a promise and it will come to pass, but maybe God has spoken to someone in this meeting here tonight and you've refused the word. You've refused the word. You have not accepted the word to dwell in you richly. No, Puritan said, and this is a strange thing. He said, I'd rather be in hell with a promise from God than to be in heaven without one. Meaning this, I have more hope in the word of God, even if I was in the damnedest hell, that he would lift me out than to think that I could be in heaven and have none. Such is the power of the word. Such is the gripping of the heart. The gripping of the soul of the man and the woman. The word of God lays hold on you. The problem is today people don't want to study the word. They don't want to read the word. They don't want to know the word. And so they'll go along in society. They'll go along with society. And they allow things like Gay marriage in the church. They won't stand against abortion of the little ones. They'll go into ecumenism with all other matters of religion. But when the word of God is in you, you're a light before them challenging their darkness. And oh, You've just went into the devil's backyard and he lets go of his demonic Rottweilers. But I can tell you something, brothers and sisters. I'd rather be in the darkness of dark with that word of God than to think I'm in the light without it. an old program on the radio called Desert Island Discs. Now I never listened to it. 
just before you think I'm getting all country on you or something or I'm getting all old foggy on you. But I know what it was. People were given, I think it was two or whatever, three things maybe to take on a desert island with you. Now, if I was being left on a desert island, and it says, what three things would you like in the desert island? I would say, well, my wife and two kids, and then I can go. Am I joking there? You know what I want in the desert island? This. I want this. What else would you need? Just this. Brothers and sisters, Caleb comes to remind Joshua as he claims his inheritance. Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses concerning me. Joshua could well have said, like the psalmist said, God has spoken once. Twice have I heard this. I heard from Moses, and now I'm rehearsed from you, Caleb. Here's your inheritance. Brothers and sisters, when God speaks once, you keep it in your heart, no matter how long a time it is. There's going to come a time when you will speak the word of God and someone will say, here it is. In Psalm 138 and verse 2, the psalmist says, Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. The word magnified there is the word gadal, gadal. And it means to make large or excellent in every direction. God has magnified, he has made large and excellent in every way we look at it, his word. No sin is a man is as good as his word. And this gives us a name either for the good or for the bad. God's word cannot fail. For if his word fails, his name fails. I'm going to say it again. God's word cannot fail. Because if his word fails, his name fails. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. So if you get a check and you're writing out a check and you sign it at the bottom. That check is only as good as a signature at the bottom. I promise to pay the bearer on demand of such and such a price. Sign it off. That name, that signature is what enables that check to be cashed in. And God says, when you come with my word, trusting in my word to claim your inheritance, what does it say about you? Come and tell me, for I've signed my name above it. And the word is saying, the word is saying, oh, forget about that book. And listen, the church is saying, forget about that book. There's churches now, I would rather have you listening to little programs. There's churches on a Sunday night would, if they're open, would have you listen to little fanciful stories 
fairy tales that will not do the soul any good, but rather do it harm. And the Lord has magnified his word above all, his own name. His character will fail because the word is who he is. His character will fail. His name will mean nothing. Name above every name, Jesus. That's your name. But see if his word doesn't stand and remain faithful. The name of Jesus means nothing. And I say that with complete reverence toward my God. He knows what I'm trying to say here. I say that with fear and trembling because he's God. We have lost the reverence. We have lost the respect. We have lost the fear of God. Men and women used to fear the Lord. Now they've lost it. There's no fear of God and man's heart anymore. I must rush on here. So Caleb said, you know the thing. The Lord had promised me. And Joshua, he reiterates, yes, I remember. In other words, how could I forget? For verses 8, verses 9, and verse 14 says that Caleb Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, Caleb Holy followed the Lord as God or the God of Israel. Even when he didn't get the promise. Even through 45 years of wandering. Still going to serve you. You know what Job said? Though he slay me, though he slay me, yet will I, what is it? Trust in him. In verse 15. We see a turn of events. And it says, and the name of Hebron before was Kerjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. The change of name here means a lot. Kerjath. Arba. It's the place where Caleb is looking to take over. This is his claim for inheritance. 85 years of age, and it's a mountainous region. Give me this mountain, he says. I'll take the mountain. I'm still strong. I'm wholly following the Lord. I'm still strong. But give me this mountain. Kerjath Arba. Arba was a giant from the Anakims. While we're here, just turn over to the book of Numbers, please. Numbers chapter 13. So Moses sends the 12 spies out to spy out Canaan land coming out of 40 years 
or pardon me, come out of wanderings in the wilderness. And notice what it says here in verse 26. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron, to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, and unto all the congregation that showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Notice here, if you will, they're coming back and saying, yes, we have been there, but there's enemies everywhere. Verse 30, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. We are well able to overcome it. They brought an evil report. Ten of them brought an evil report. And here Caleb gives an excellent reply. Let's go at once and take it. And the ten against two are saying, there's no chance that we could take this land. Caleb's saying, well, go right now. We won't waste time. God said it's ours. Let's claim our inheritance. God said it was for us. But fear took over the people. An evil report from the ten took over the hearts of the people of Israel. Well, we're hearing it much today, aren't we? Evil reports, media, social media, television, radio, internet, newspapers, everywhere you go, negative, evil report. It says it made their hearts melt within them with fear. And you know what's wrong with many today? Their hearts have melted within them for fear because they're always listening to an evil report. They're listening to what's happening in one nation and those people are starting, for example, Australia, to capitulate as they captivate the people, as they bring an evil report. The people's hearts are melting with fear into Austria, into Germany, and struggling like Italy. Trying to bring it into Greece, and now they're bringing it into the United Kingdom, Northern Ireland, bringing it into Ireland, and it's all negative report, evil reports everywhere. And the people's hearts are melting in them for fear. But you know who's melting the most? The church. The leaders of the church. The so-called ministers. The preachers and the pastors. Hearts melting with fear. Wise up, brothers. 
Wise up! We can overcome it. We can take this mountain, claim your inheritance, and let's move on in God. There's a mountain coming for you to climb. Brother, there's a mountain coming for you to climb, sister. And there's an evil report in your ear. Get ready for an excellent reply. What is your excellent reply? Simple. Since God be for me, who then can be against me? Enough of your evil reports. Stop listening to evil reports. And always get ready to give the excellent reply. For I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Notice their hearts melted. Brothers and sisters, an exaggerated response. Listen, that's just pretty easy. An evil report, an excellent reply, an exaggerated response. Here, here, let's take it easy. Let's come back another day. Let's not rock the boat and tread another time. Don't speak out. Don't speak out. Forty years. Ready? Forty years. Four oh forty years. Israel turned and went back into the wilderness into a land that was barn and drab and dry when just across the river, just across the way, they had already spidered out a land flowing with milk and with honey. And there it was right before them, the place of the fruit of the vine. And they turned and 40 years, they walked around the mountain. Now, five years into it, Caleb says, they wouldn't give it to me then. There was no one that would listen to the truth. No one that would listen to the word. No one that would listen to the prophetic word of God. And what God had said, he says, I'm giving Caleb this. And he says, I'll take it. I'll take it now. No, Caleb, listen, don't you let anyone else turn you away from what God is telling you tonight. Figure hard to make it melt. Now, 45 years later, a man of 85 years of age, he says, give me the mountain. But the Anakims are there. Kirjarthar, the great giants are there. He says, what? My God slays the giants. My God is the giant killer. Brothers and sisters, even recently I read an article just last week but scientists are now trying to say that the Shroud of Turin is Jesus' burial shroud and that he was 14 feet tall. They're liars. Do you hear me? They're liars. They're trying to take away, because that would make him one of the Anakins. That would make him of a perverted seed. 
And that's what they're trying to do, pervert the name of Christ. Caleb was a slave in Egypt, in the plains of Egypt. He was a wanderer in the wilderness of sin. He was lost and helpless and he became a prince when he climbed his mountain. Maybe you think you have a mountain to climb. But I can tell you, brothers and sisters, see with God on our side. When God is in it, we can climb every mountain. And we can claim every mountain, our inheritance, in the name of the Lord. Let me finish with this thought. I have so much, and I went off kilter again. I went off course. Let me finish with this. Do you know the name inheritance in the English now language in the King James Bible stands 239 times? In Matthew 21 and verse 38, in Mark chapter 12 and in verse 7, and in Luke chapter 20 and verse 14, this is what it says about our Lord Jesus Christ. The Pharisees and the scribes, they say, the Lord is speaking a parable of them. And he says that they say, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him that the inheritance may be ours. Hmm. Tell me from the offset, the devil doesn't want you to receive your inheritance. If we can kill the Christ of God, if we can kill this one called Jesus, Yahshua, then you'll have no inheritance. then you'll have no inheritance. The word here for inheritance is a word in clay, Roman, clay, run, omini. That really means to pass down when a father dies to a son as such. And Jesus is saying that these men are saying, let's kill him and we'll claim the inheritance. You know the scripture, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof? They wanted to claim it. Ungodliness. Mostly Edomites. Proselyte Jews. Wanting to claim it. And if we can kill he who is the king of Israel, then they have no inheritance in the earth. We will claim the inheritance. And from the elitists of the world to the banking cartels of the new world order, these are the same like these men today. Come, let us kill the name of Jesus off. Come, let's destroy his reputation and put it out across the airwaves that he is 14 foot long like a giant like Goliath or bigger. Let us lie about him that people will have nothing else to do with him. 
and we will claim the inheritance. Brothers and sisters, I want to say this. They did take him to a cross. They did nail him to the tree. They did devise and lay out their plan to carry out their deeds. They did it. They did it. But you know what they didn't know? Do you know what they didn't understand? That in the wickedness of their hearts, thinking they're building their kingdom and their new world order at the time, they were killing, as it were, Jesus in their eyes. No, no, no. He freely gave up his life. You know why? Because they were working to the very exact sovereign will and plan of the Father in heaven, and they didn't even know it. You know why? So you and I can claim our inheritance in Christ. Listen, see when the devil of this world and the enemies of Christ and of his gospel, do you see when the enemies of his people Israel, do you see whenever the enemies and these elitists are around and they're planning and they're purposing to carry out their wiles and their deeds and their evil in the land and they think they're going to kill the Christ off on us. You know what they don't realize? They don't realize that God's way ahead of them. And that you and I will find that we have an inheritance to claim in Christ. And all they are doing, God is using them in his sovereign will to sift out the wheat from the chaff. Those who are really his when the rubber hits the road. Those who really know Christ. They're sorting them out. And there's going to rise a people full of faith. Let's take this mountain. For God has spoken it. We claim it. Let's go now and take it. And it's the mountain of the house of the Lord. When Christ returns again. Are you saved tonight? Look. I sat yesterday. And I wrote all those things. That's just down in the word inheritance. And I'm sorry I can't get preaching it. Because it would take up too long. Here's a word for you. The word kleros also is used for inheritance. Do you know what it means? It comes from a root word kleo. And it means gives the idea to break wood in two. Or it gives the idea when they took a great big loaf and they broke bread. My inheritance is in the breaking of the bread. Your inheritance is in the breaking of the bread. What do you mean? The same night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. My inheritance and your inheritance is in the Christ of God. And in the breaking of his body at Calvary. May God bless you tonight. May God encourage us tonight. And take his word for his glory tonight. Keep trusting in the Lord from tonight. Amen. Team, would you come up please?